Blog Talk Radio. All right, this is the Bless You Boys podcast. Uh, a little uh, stumble there because we're actually doing a show live. So uh, first off, let's get all, everything out of the way, kind of get our feet wet here because we haven't done a live show in quite a long time. Uh, first off, of course, uh, this is the Bless You Boys podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog covers the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball so, and whatever else happens to be on our mind. But realistically, there's only one real topic to talk about this week, and that's going to be the David Price trade. But before we even talk about that, we have a very special guest with us this week. But even before we get to that, i got to get the introductions out of the way. And that means I have to introduce the man you know, Sookslide, the king of West Michigan, who is also, the, as you know, an acolyte of both Sparky Anderson and Earl Weaver. Hookslide, how's things? Things are going really well. It's been a great week. Excited to get to the uh, Bushy Boys meetup today and watch the Tigers play. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good day. And uh, I brought a friend along today. Yes, you did. This is all yours. So, like I said before the show, if this goes bad, this is your fault. That's right. It's all my fault. (laughs) Yes, as the king of West Michigan, you know, I I do spend a lot of my time out at the uh, Whitecaps ballpark watching the games, checking out the prospects there. And uh, earlier this year I was invited to the – the media food rollout when they were sampling the, the new foods for the ballpark. And I got a chance to meet our guest today, uh, the Whitecaps play-by-play announcer, Ben Chiswick, who has graciously agreed to join us on the podcast today. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. And this, this is where all the uh, true media members meet right at the food rollout uh, prior to the start <laughs> of the baseball season. <laughs> As it should be. All right. Um, First off, you know, maybe because I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast really, they aren't very familiar with minor league baseball. It, really, the only, lot of, oftentimes, then, the, the only time they hear about players, for example, with this week uh, when it came uh, with the uh, David Price trade, when you heard about players being thrown in, and they go, oh, he plays for the Whitecaps? He had no idea. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about maybe, uh, uh, first off, uh, 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 what, what, what your job entails? I know you are, uh, first off, the play-by-play man for the team, but you do a little bit more than that for the team as well, don't you? Yeah, minor league baseball is a little bit like uh, like how you might picture, uh, you know, a small business, a, a privately owned business, in that uh, you've got a, a small number of staffers wearing multiple caps, uh, unlike a major league organization where you would have a more expansive front office and, uh, and more specialized job duties. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with the West Michigan Whitecaps, I do the radio broadcast, as you guys mentioned. Mm-hmm. I also uh, run the baseball side of the media relations department, so any kind of uh, media relations we have that related to baseball, roster moves, um, that we've had some transactions yes. this week, as you guys know, coordinating players, coaches with members of the media, um, that kind of thing, getting uh, stats and game notes uh, ready together at the ballpark for the media and other radio broadcasters that come through. Uh, those are the kinds of things that take up my day. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, exactly. You have to be kind of a actually not just a jack of all trades, but a master of all trades uh, when when uh, in a minor league uh, situation. Uh, when it comes to play by play, did you model yourself after anybody? You know, what kind of inspired you to get into the job? Because for a lot of baseball fans, that really feels like that's a dream job to have to be able to watch baseball every single day. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm really lucky. I mean, we work hard and we work long hours and, and, and we, you know, give up a lot of free time in the summers, which uh, which most people enjoy, but we yeah. do it for a good reason. I mean, you're right. I get to watch baseball every day. Mm-hmm. I get to uh, really know the Tigers organization and the players and coaches that come through and, and really guys at all levels uh, on, an, on an insider's perspective, which I really think is fun and, and I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so uh, yeah, we're very lucky. Um, it's 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 a blast. Uh, you get to get to watch baseball. What, what's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah, 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 and get paid to do it as well. So <laughs> it's and uh, and realistically, uh, when it comes to uh, working at you know for the West Michigan Whitecaps, uh, I, you you run across a lot of a lot of ball players. I can imagine that. Uh, you know, guys spend um, some guys spend days there. Some guys spend years there. Uh, in your time at uh, West Michigan, who have been some of your favorite Whitecaps to cover? 
Well, that's a, that's a hard list to choose from mm-hmm. because we've had a lot of good guys come through, uh, some that have made it to Detroit, some that haven't. You know, you really get to know some of these guys on a personal level. So mm-hmm. you, you root for, you know, even the guys who aren't necessarily prospects, you, you kind of follow along and root for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who just got traded, Willie Adamas, quickly yeah. became one of my favorites. He's a fantastic kid. Um, and a very, very good baseball player, obviously, mm-hmm. as I think the world found out uh, the yeah. other day. Um, you know, Stephen Moya is another guy who I always root for. I mean, just kind of a great combination of an extremely talented baseball player, but also just a, a really good guy that I enjoyed uh, getting to know. Um, I also spent a handful of years working in the Tigers organization. Some guys mm-hmm. that I really remember fondly include Colby Rasmus, who's with the Blue Jays now. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, Rick Ankiel, my, my very first year. Wow. It, in this business was Rick Ankiel's first year when he made the switch from pitcher to outfielder. So he mm-hmm. came down to us in A-ball uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals affiliate as he uh, kind of re- remade himself as an outfielder. And uh, and I'll never remember some of the interactions uh, that I had with him. So um, you, you get to meet a, a lot of people on a, on a personal level and in a unique way, and that's something that I really enjoy about my job. Yeah, and uh, you, you can say I knew so and so back in the day, and you know I'm sure Tigers fans are hoping that you're not going to be saying that quite so much about about the shortstop they just traded. But yeah, it it, it makes for uh, again we're just jealous of the of the job you have. Uh, before we kind of get into talking about the prospects and the recent moves, I did want to touch base on what happened in the off season when it came with the. Uh, Sure. The big fire, obviously, uh, at the stadium. Can you give us any kind of fill us in here in Detroit, Tigers fans, as to what went down and really what needed to be done? Because I can't believe they got that stadium ready to go in time for the regular season. It's been it's been just a remarkable stretch. I mean, I, I kind of we talk, It came up uh, just coincidentally on our broadcast last night, and I mm-hmm. looked at the date and thought, my goodness, that was eight months ago. You know, and it yeah. almost seems like it, it it wasn't even this year anymore. It seems like it's a thing of the past now. But yeah, on January third, uh, Fifth Third Ballpark, the, the home of the West Michigan Whitecaps, suffered a devastating fire. Mm-hmm. It started in one of the suites up the first base line, um, and literally destroyed the entire first base side of the ballpark, uh, both. I mean, the upper level was literally destroyed. The lower level was reduced to, to rubble. Um, and it was, you know, it was one of those polar vortex winter days where the weather didn't help. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the fire department came out, had a lot of trouble uh, fighting the fire uh, because of the circumstances. Um, and it literally destroyed about 40% of the ballpark to ashes. Um, much of the remaining structure had to pretty much be completely gutted and rebuilt due to the smoke and water damage that comes along with that, uh, that large of a fire. Um, it was really a devastating day. It was, uh, I think, most people who uh, saw it, either the plume of smoke rising over West Michigan, um, which could be seen from miles and miles away, or uh, who followed along on the Internet watching the live streaming coverage as all the, all the local news outlets were, were following it live with breaking news. I think many people were very doubtful that mm-hmm. we would be able to play baseball three months later, which is uh, when our home opener was scheduled. But we've got a tremendous group of guys, a tremendous operation in West Michigan, um, our, our co-owners, Lou Chamberlain and Denny Baxter, and especially Denny really set the tone. He was, he was the guy who was there, who, who spoke in front of the cameras on that day of the fire, you know, the front office staff behind him, just long faces. Everybody looked, uh, you know, just so devastated. Uh, but Denny was resolute from the get-go saying, we will have baseball on April 8th. Uh, you know, he, his famous quote from that was, if we rebuild it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And, and it happened, you know. Um, they were able to rebuild it uh, with a ton of help, obviously, from construction workers from Plainfield Township, from uh, from firefighters, first responders on that day, from a host of others. Um, we got the ballpark just ready enough to open on April 8th, uh, you know, and, and give our fans what they were used to. Uh, construction was ongoing through the early part of the season. As fate would have it, we actually had the All-Star game at our ballpark this year, if you can believe that, on June 17th. So that was really kind of the, the drop-dead date um, to make sure – that the suites are back and everything was back up, and there have been just kind of a few odds and ends being worked on even since then. But um, it's been an ongoing project. It's been really a, a, a tremendous ride, and we've had really a, a, a remarkable season uh, given the fire, the rebuild, the all-star game uh, being hosted at our ballpark, and also just this fantastic team that's been extremely successful both in terms of winning games and developing prospects. 
Uh, it's been one of the best years the Whitecaps have had in quite some time. Yeah, and that gives us a that's a perfect segue actually to kind of start talking about a few of the prospects that the Tigers have traded and who we may expect to see in the next year or two. And Hookslide, I think this is a good time for you to step in because I know you've also got to see a lot of these players. So uh, uh, I'll let you start with the uh, maybe a question or two when it comes to uh, the prospects and the recent trades. Sure. Yeah. Just to kind of piggyback on what Ben was saying, you know, someone uh, you know who goes to those games a lot. Uh, I was amazed uh, to get there early in the season and see just how much progress they'd made on that ballpark. And uh, I remember being at the media food event and looking out, they still weren't done with it and saying, how are they going to have this you know, built in time? But they did it and uh, hosted the all-star game. And like Ben said, to top it off, the Whitecaps are playing some really good baseball this year, um, probably because uh, due to the fact that they, they do have quite a few good prospects in the system. So um, Ben, that's, that's kind of a, a, a mantra that you hear that we've heard a little bit in the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, this is kind of idea that the uh, the Tigers' farm system is barren, is depleted. Um, you know, and I, as someone who goes to those games and sees the, the, the level of talent on the field, I'm not sure I entirely agree. Um, I, I'm curious to get your perspective on that. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that's something that uh, probably has been true for the last handful of years, but maybe for the first time in a long time you really can't say that anymore. Uh, they've had a number of good drafts in a row. And I'm, I'm including this year's draft in that, uh, in just uh, in terms of the prospects from the 2014 draft, we've already seen, I've been impressed with the early returns there, although obviously we haven't seen the first uh, few rounders, which ultimately will, will really dictate whether this year's draft was successful or not. But obviously last year's draft has, has made up a big part of our team, especially our pitching staff. Um, they've been very good. And I think when you look all throughout the Tigers system, I agree with you, areas that were sources of weakness just a couple of years ago, are now areas of strength, um, I'll bring up the shortstop position. I know you guys remember a couple of years ago when the Tigers had to go all the way down to Lakeland to bring up Hernan Perez because that's how depleted the organization was in terms of middle infielders. And all of a sudden you look at the middle infielders now, you've seen Eugenio Suarez uh, not only make it to the big leagues, but give the Tigers the confidence to move forward with him without making a deal for a shortstop, as a couple months ago, and many thought they would approaching the trading deadline. You've still got Hernan Perez in AAA. You've got a, a guy like Devin Travis, who was uh, who has really had his breakout season last year and emerged. And, uh, well, you had up until the other day Willie Adames, who maybe had the highest upside of any of those guys. And we've got a second baseman in West Michigan right now, and Javier Bentancourt is another guy who was a legitimate uh, major league prospect with a chance to uh, really do some things. So um, you look at the middle infielders, to me that's kind of a microcosm of uh, how far the Tigers' farm system has come in the last few years, and, and of course, their hallmark being the, the power arms, the pitching prospects, so they continue to stock the system with those as well. Right, yeah, that, that, that's always been kind of, like you said, the hallmark. When you look at the pitching, and I know the Whitecaps have, I think, probably one of the best rotations uh, in the Midwest League right now, um, but just touch even on, on the fact that you said there, there, there's there's an offensive upside this year that I don't recall being there last year, necessarily even the year before. It seems like they got a lot of uh, a lot of good bats in the lineup this year, too. Yeah, um, you know, that's interesting because that's kind of come along. Uh, in the first half of the season when we won a division and clinched a playoff spot, it really was the pitching and defense that were carrying the load, and, and the offense was, was really not being very productive. But that's changed quite a bit in the last couple of months. Uh, some of that is new players that have been added to our roster. Some of that is players that have uh, continued to develop. Um, you know, we've gotten Grayson Griner, a 2014 draft pick, who unfortunately is on the disabled list right now, but he's a catcher that has really added a lot to the Whitecaps lineup. Uh, a guy like Dominic Ficacello, um, who, uh, you know, had a solid first half but has really taken off in the second half, has helped out. Javier Betancourt has been one of our best players all year long. And, and a name that many of your listeners might not be too familiar with, uh, Wynton Bernard is having a season for the ages with us. Yeah. Now, he's a little bit of an older guy. He's a 23-year-old outfielder. He was actually released by the Padres, unsigned after an open tryout with the Dodgers, and uh, flew all the way from San Diego, his hometown, to Lakeland, Florida, for an open tryout with the Tigers, got signed there. And uh, let me tell you something. He's a guy that I think, you know, we always talk about prospects. And I understand that due to his age, he's not a quote-unquote prospect. But we also do see players make it to the major league level without ever being labeled prospects. And he's a guy that uh, I could see a year or two down the road uh, making that jump with his combination of speed, uh, both with the feet and his bat speed. And it helps that he's playing center field right now because I understand that's a bit of a, a bit of a hole in the Tigers organization <laughs> right now. Right. So you kind of have to wonder with Ezekiel Carrera being moved up to to Detroit, you know, how how long it will be before Winton Bernard gets to call up, you know, up through Erie uh, into Toledo to kind of fill that spot there. Um, 
let's let's go back though and talk about uh, a trade that took place uh, a couple weeks ago when the Tigers went out and got Joaquim Soria. Sure. And in the process, had to give up uh, Corey Knable, of course, was with West Michigan last year and just a dynamite reliever last year, uh, but also Jake Thompson. Um, there, there was a lot of talk on the internet about the fact that uh, the opinion that the Tigers kind of gave up too much to get Soria by giving away uh, Knable and, and Thompson. What, what are your thoughts on that? Boy, yeah, I, they gave up a lot, certainly. I mean, whether they gave up too much, I mean, let's be honest. If they win the World Series, the answer is no. If they if they don't win the World Series and Soria ends up having a year or two of nondescript baseball and moving on, then, then the answer may be yes. I mean, so tough to judge those trades, obviously, early on, but... I think what what is clear and what even the Tigers, I think, would would have to admit to is that they did give up a lot because Corey Knable and Jake Thompson are both top-flight Major League prospects. Um, You know, I'm sure Tiger fans saw Knable struggle a little bit in his first two stints in the Major League this year, uh, but you also have to remember that he made his Major League debut less than a year after he was drafted. I mean, he was really pushed through the system quickly. Um, and in fact, the Tigers made the decision to keep him as a closer, a, a back-end reliever, as opposed to making him start so that they could fast-track him, because straight out of the draft, when he came to West Michigan last year, his uh, fastball-curveball combination was so good uh, that I think it was really just too tantalizing uh, to pass up the idea of being able to have him in the big league so quickly because of the fastball and curveball. But he also has the stuff to potentially start down the road, and um, it'll be interesting to see if the Rangers want to go that route with him in the future. Uh, Jake Thompson is also another high-end prospect. Um, you know, there may be a little bit more risk with him, but probably also a little bit more upside. Uh, he's got that nasty slider. I've heard people speculate that uh, in part because of that, he may be an injury risk down the road. As uh, You know, I don't know how you predict that. I mean, every pitcher, I guess, is an injury injury risk, really. But uh, Thompson's age is really what makes him so intriguing also. Uh, I want to say he's still only 20 years old. Um, pitched, got the win in the Futures game this year, made it to Double A uh, right before the trade at that young age, and uh, he also, uh, you know, when he was with us, really the only uh, thing holding him back was sometimes inconsistent fastball command. Uh, I can only assume from the numbers he put up this year in Lakeland uh, that he has somewhat rectified that issue, um, because if he can spot up that fastball to go along with the slider that he has um, and the developing changeup, he's also a, a major league starting pitching prospect to be sure. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Let me shift gears for just a second um, as, as we're talking about prospects. But uh, also, uh, I was at the ballpark last night, and as many of our listeners know, uh, Andy Dirks made mm-hmm. an appearance, uh, as he will again tonight and on Sunday, doing his, his rehab uh, games there uh, with West Michigan. Uh, what did you see last night, and how, how, is, how is Andy Dirks looking? I saw a guy swing the bat pretty well. Uh, he had three at-bats, played five innings in left field, and that was the plan all along. Uh, he was not anticipated to play the full game last night. Um, and he had three quality at-bats. He uh, singled on the first swing he took, uh, leading off in the bottom of the first inning. In his second at-bat, he drove a ball to the warning track that was eventually run down. And as you know, hook slide. We've got very big alleys, spacious outfields at Fifth Third Ballpark. That ball probably would have been gone in a, in a lot of outfields uh, yeah. for the major and minor league levels. Um, and then in his third at-bat, uh, he hit the ball hard the other way on the ground. It turned into a double play. Um, I did notice he didn't seem to be getting down the line very quickly on that double play, but you know, that's not also necessarily unusual. He's a major leaguer in a Class A rehab game. It's his first rehab game. So, you know, you want him to be a little cautious and take it easy and may not be uh, running full throttle. But, um, uh, you know, I did not talk to him after the game. He had already left the clubhouse by the time the game ended and and media was granted access to the home clubhouse. Um, So I can only assume that he got through that game healthy and is going to DH today as scheduled. Uh, But I didn't see any indications on the field yesterday to indicate otherwise. So the plan is to to, to uh, DH today? Yeah, the plan is uh, over the six days that he's going to be with the Whitecaps to have a, a progressive situation. So yesterday it was uh, uh, three at-bats, five innings in left field. Uh, the, uh, they were going to reconvene after the game. It, it's always going to be a fluid situation, but the idea was to, to DH today, presumably, maybe have an off day mixed in uh, over the course of these days, and then ultimately on days five and six of this rehab stint uh, to play full games in the outfield. And even in the outfield, I thought, uh, just kind of watching, he had a couple opportunities for some plays and, uh, you know, fielding some balls off the wall that got hit pretty hard. I thought he looked pretty good in the field, too. Yeah, I thought he moved well. Uh, I didn't notice any uh, anything unusual, frankly. 
Yep, that's and that's good news because uh, goodness knows we need him back up in Detroit, you know, as soon as possible with the uh, declining defense. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about late, about that later, right, Al? Indeed. All right. Uh, I know we, uh, Ben's got things to do because he actually has a job. Well, it looks like I just have a baseball game to go to later. Uh, kind of wind, start winding things down, Ben. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, being that you see uh, the Tigers' best prospects, you know, because common wisdom is. Uh, most franchises' best players tend to be show really tend to really show themselves at Double A. Uh, if you listen to all the the pundits out there on online, the uh, the Keith Laws of the world, for example, they really rag on the Detroit Tigers uh, minor league system, saying it's barren of prospects. You get to see a lot of the Tigers' best players. Do you tend to find that kind of talk overstated when it comes to the state of the Tigers' uh, minor league system? Well, I think uh, I think that sometimes the uh, the perception you get from the pundits and the media kind of lags behind the reality a bit mm-hmm. because you got to you got to see it first. So you've got the the prospects entering the system, the cupboard begin to be restocked, and uh, you know maybe it's a year or so later when uh, when that kind of becomes visible to to those that are watching. I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate that I, I watch every single Whitecaps game. Uh, by and large, I've seen every prospect come through the Tigers organization over the last five years, except on the occasion where the, there are players that skip West Michigan uh, from time to time. Um, so I, I get to see these guys up close, and, and not just the stats, not just the box scores. You know, As you guys know, especially in the low levels of the minor leagues, statistics really don't tell the whole story. It's more about tools and projection and upside and development and what guys are, are working on. So um, I think that's starting to change. I think we're seeing that uh, really for the first time in a couple years, you actually have prospect position players in AAA Toledo, which uh, is a team that's been for the most part made up of minor league free agents in recent years. I think we're seeing a number of prospects in AA Erie, which is more than uh, what we saw in past years. It's an Erie team that still struggles in their record because uh, their pitching uh, doesn't have as much as their offense does. Uh, but I think you're seeing those guys start to trickle up. You know, you know, these guys have success in A-ball, and as they move up, some guys have success in the high minors, and some guys don't. And I think what we're seeing, especially this year, to a lesser extent last year, and uh, and hopefully even more so next year, is you're starting to see impact prospects have success in the high minors in increasing numbers in the Tigers organization. So um, I can understand why there is still chatter to that effect. Um because people are going on what the uh, you know what they saw last year and uh, a lot of times and the prospect rankings they had prior to the season and uh, and I think that this next off season and hopefully in the coming off seasons that'll be you know reevaluated and updated a bit and we'll start to see that changing I think. All right, great. That makes us here in Detroit feel much better because we tend to hear the gloom and doom more than the positive stuff yeah. coming out of the minor league system. And, you know, and let alone we really don't get to hear a lot about these players until either they really start making a uh, huge noise and make that, that word prospect turns up or they end up getting traded. Yeah, well, the other thing, if I could just add on real quick. Yeah, you know, please. The other part of that is what are you using your farm system for? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland Athletics, uh, or the Minnesota Twins, you're really using that farm system to develop prospects that can contribute at low cost at the major league level. We all know that Dave Dombrowski and the Detroit Tigers doesn't use his farm system the same way, and that's certainly okay. You know, uh, part of the reason why the Tigers' farm system hasn't gotten as top-heavy and, and has been a little bit depleted is because every year in July, they're trading guys. Oftentimes, they're losing first-round picks because of uh, major signings, free agent signings at the major league level. And that's going to leave the, the farm system obviously a little bit weaker because you're, you're trading those chips for major league talent. But that, of course, uh, is still a way in which you are using your farm system to improve at the major league level, which at the end of the day, that's the name of the game. Right, exactly. All right, uh, Ben, I know we prom- we've already run a little bit over them. what we planned on going with you because been, it's been great talking to you. If, if uh, listeners want to hear more about, learn more about the, the Whitecaps, and for that matter to yourself, uh, where can they find more information online, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, the websites, things like that? Yeah, I mean, the Whitecaps uh, have all the social media, you know, uh, areas on lockdown, of course. We've got a great social media department that handles that. Uh, Whitecapsbaseball.com is really kind of the hub for all things Whitecaps. Uh, you can also listen to all of our broadcasts through that website uh, in addition to uh, being broadcast locally and also on an on a expansive radio network around West Michigan. All of our games are streamed online through Whitecaps. Baseball.com, and um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Chiswick. I uh, sometimes tweet out highlights and things like that, and 
um, yeah, you know, we have a lot of fun with what we do. So we certainly encourage people to come out to the ballpark and have a good time in West Michigan, and we hope uh, you listen to the broadcast and enjoy them. All right, I appreciate it. Anything you'd like to add to slide before we uh, let Ben get back to, like, more important <laughs> things, other than talking to baseball geeks? <laughs> uh, right. No, uh, just, uh, again, thanks for joining us, Ben, and uh, I promise next time we have you on the show, because hopefully there will be a next time, uh, I will I will prepare a Baffle Ben question for you. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, uh, Ben and his uh, broadcast partner, Dan Elvey, do uh, a segment during every game called Baffle Ben, where, where they throw Ben Chiswick some, some crazy trivia questions, like... Uh, in the last 50 years, there were 20 guys that struck out with the bases loaded on a Tuesday, <laughs> and Ben has to come up with the answers, and it's kind of a fun thing that you guys do. In fact, uh, you, you, you engage with the Twitter users on that, don't you? That's right, and you know, I actually need to give you a shout-out for that, because I think you were the one who, uh, one night after a, a broadcast, uh, tweeted me saying you missed the answers, or you missed the question, or, or what was it? We went back and forth a little bit, and that's actually what kind of... Uh, started the wheels turning to uh, bring Twitter into it. So now we do engage our fans. Fans can play along on Twitter, uh, win a couple tickets to a future Whitecaps game if they get the answer right also. So uh, we have a lot of fun with Baffle Ben. Just like you guys, you know, we're really just baseball nerds at heart too. So we have a good time. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ben. And uh, like I said, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time on this Saturday morning to talk to us. And uh, uh, we hope to talk to you again. So thank you again and, uh, and go Whitecaps. Thanks for having me on, guys. I had fun. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah, well, looks like that was fun. I, 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 no, it was not a train wreck, so you get uh, plus one. <laughs> Thanks. Experience points earned, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'll just I'll tag on, because uh, it didn't get brought up necessarily, but uh, for, for the local listeners anyway here in West Michigan, if you want to listen to uh, Ben and uh, Dan cover the play-by-play, you can do that at uh, it's, uh, 107.3 WBBL. A uh, lot, lot of fun to listen to. I know they cover the Whitecaps games during the week, and uh, it's just a, it's a good way to follow the team if you can. And it really does sound like you are the king of West Michigan, you know, considering, you know, you know if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't get Twitter involved. So, Right. <laughs> I, I try to earn my keep if I yes. can. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again to Ben. Uh, and, again, we'll have all the appropriate links in the show notes as to um, how to find Ben online along with the Whitecaps. And uh, you should go to some White Cat games. I would love to go one of these days, and I'm sure you could run into both Hook Slide and Phil Coke's brain out there. So, all right. right. He comes out to a couple of those games, too. And uh, we've had uh, 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 Jordan come out from, uh, you know, the Tiger Prospects Twitter mm-hmm. account has come out to a couple of games. So it's a good place to meet uh, your Bless You Boys staff. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, and, of course, if uh, – if you're going to be in Detroit today, well, you can meet a lot more of the staff at the meetup at the Park Bar. We'll meet at, what, 4.30, I think, is the uh, correct time. But before we get down to drinking, we have a lot to talk about, and that would be, well, what happened this week with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I mean, we could talk about, well, Soria has struggled, and, you know, the Tigers have been kind of muddled around around 500. But all that got tossed out the window with one of the most – Oh, God, I don't know how to put it. That was one of the wildest few hours uh, at the baseball trade deadline I can ever remember uh, from before noon when the Oakland A's and Billy Bean made their big move to get John Lester to the Tigers countering by getting probably the best player available on the market at the trade deadline and David Price, a left-handed uh, Cy Young winner from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh and well, we, let's kind of lay the groundwork for a Stokes slide. Uh, common wisdom was Detroit was going to pick up a reliever at the deadline, and it really looked like uh, former Tiger prospect uh, Andrew Miller, who they traded away to get uh, Miguel Cabrera, uh, he was coming back because he's, he's, uh, Miller's recreated himself as a lockdown lefty specialist at the Red Sox. And the Red Sox obviously have been in fire sale mode. About an hour before the end of the trade deadline at 4 o'clock Wednesday, uh, th- that went out the window because rumors were starting to rumble that the Tigers were one of three teams in on David Price, the 2012 Cy Young winner. I I don't know about you, uh, Hookside, but I really didn't think this kind of a deal was going to go down. I really just thought it was going to be a relief pitcher. It was going to be you know a piece, not a guy who was going to essentially. Uh, blow the minds of pretty much the baseball world everywhere. I mean, that that last couple hours on Wednesday was absolutely nuts between the rumors going around and just the feeling that 
the A's and the Tigers were countering each other, and uh, it, it was just a surreal situation, especially when you factor what happened to Austin Jackson. Yeah, surreal is probably the best word to describe that. Uh, like you said, it was just it was a flurry of activity. On you know on Thursday and the rumors going around and you know remember early on uh, that, that fake Ken Rosenthal account on Twitter you know saying the Tigers were going to get David Price and how everybody kind of jumped on that and said no way yeah you know that's just not going to happen and it certainly looked like that was oh and happen. don't forget there was that fake Twitter account that predicted that the fake Rosenthal account that predicted the trade <laughs> right right <laughs> a couple hours earlier right yeah. you know so like like you said it seemed much more uh, conceivable rational that they were going to go after a reliever like Andrew Miller, and that seemed to be where they were headed. Um, I don't think anybody really anticipated this kind of a blockbuster trade, mm-hmm. um, especially considering that they got Joaquin Soria yeah. you know, just prior to that. I figured that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just how it all went down was just uh, really odd. I guess in a way you could say it worked out for Austin Jackson because it gave Tigers fans uh, one last chance to say goodbye because – he had to be off the field and out of the dugout before 4 p.m. Thursday. And it, it, it was just all of a sudden the game comes to a stop. And you could hear the, the crowd at Comerica Park knew what was going on, considering you know, everybody has social media on their smartphones now. And they knew the trade was going down. But just to see it happen the way it did, and I'm sure, and you know, either listening to Jim Price and uh, Dan Dickerson on the radio or Rod Allen and Mario Pemba on TV. Even their reaction was absolutely shocked at the trade itself and the fact that Austin Jackson was in it and had to leave the game in mid-inning. That was, uh, you know, uh, Chen and Hogan at Fox Sports Detroit tweeted that out and said that the home umpire made a comment afterwards and said that, I think the quote was, in 30 years of umpiring, he'd never seen anything like that. He'd never seen yeah. a player taken off the field mid-inning uh, as a result of a trade. Um mm-hmm. Which is so there you go. It's a unique, it's a rare thing. But like you said, it's in retrospect, it's kind of cool that it went down that way because it did give Tigers fans a chance to give him that standing ovation. And I thought, you know, how how uh, deflating that mm-hmm. whole thing would have been if he had just come off the field with the rest of the team at the end of the inning and then just not come back out. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. very very nice uh, moment there. And uh, it just when you realize how how unique and rare a thing that was, you just kind of feel good and go that 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 that's cool. Yeah, and and the reaction to the whole deal going down, obviously it was the, the lay the groundwork again. It was a three-way deal involving Detroit, Tampa Bay, and uh, the Seattle Mariners. The Tigers gave up Austin Jackson and Drew Smiley. Who uh, Jackson goes to uh, Seattle, Smiley goes to Tampa Bay, along with prospect. Um, what's for, how do you pronounce that last name again uh, of the shortstop? Adamus. Adamus, yes, Willie Adamus. Uh, and who also goes to Tampa Bay, and Nick Franklin goes from Seattle to Tampa Bay as well. So Tampa Bay gets a lot younger and, I have to say, worse. Uh, and really, the, for this one, Adamus really has to pay off for them. Uh, Seattle is happy with the deal because they plugged a big hole in their outfield with Austin Jackson, and they have them under control for another year. Tigers fans, Hookside, are they're thrilled to get Price, yet are upset at losing Jackson and are confused over not getting another bullpen arm and in Tampa Bay, they have the pitchforks and torches out. As they should. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at the, uh, you know, you remember how, how Tigers fans reacted when we lost Doug Fister mm-hmm. over the fact that we just got a couple of, you know, uh, you know, a, a prospect pitcher, a mediocre yeah. reliever, a utility man. And we said, come on, we could have got way more for a guy like Fister. And he wasn't even our team ace. Yeah. You know, so you got to yeah. put yourself in the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, fans' shoes and say, we just lost an ace and we got – you know Drew Smiley and uh, and a prospect shortstop. Not that Smiley's bad, but you know you, you almost feel like you could have got a lot more in return for that. So it's easy to kind of empathize with where the Rays fans are coming from. But uh, you know, Al, I was I was kind of even more surprised not surprised I mm-hmm. guess, but just sort of observing the even the Tigers fan base reaction that it really seems polarized in the sense that yeah. Yeah, on the one hand you're elated to get David Price, mm-hmm. and on the other hand just kind of crushed. To see, you know, a fan favorite like Austin Jackson and Drew Smiley no longer wearing the D. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, w- I still wonder if there's some uh, fallout from uh, people fearing that uh, Smiley is going to be the next John Smoltz, or uh, you know, or you know, the same with Adamus or something like that. It's just a. You're right. It's a very weird polarizing uh, feeling that a lot of fans have. Even in the uh, the threads we had at Bless You Boys, we had a ton of them. 
there was a lot of fans, uh, one, worried about what they're going to do in center field, two, mm, yeah. that they didn't fix the bullpen, and three, uh, this I think this kind of ensures Max Scherzer's gone, if you ask me, because I think they just, yes. re- they just replaced Max Scherzer with David Price. Yeah. Yeah, there's a huge ripple effect from this this one trade with price, and like you said, there's it, it creates the the immediate you know excitement of oh wow we got another ace on the staff that makes Detroit's rotation starting mm-hmm. rotation the best in baseball by a long shot, but at the same time you go wow the outfield just got remarkably worse defensively. Yes, um, Smiley was going to be a key I think bullpen piece come uh, the postseason, mm-hmm. and so now you got to answer that question. Um, you know, so that there's just a lot of uh, practical ramifications, and, and like you said, this this pretty much guarantees that Max Scherzer is not going to be part of the the equation come 2015. Yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, I did a bit on uh, Yahoo Sports Radio last night, Friday night, and I heard that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot about it. God forbid. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and the host asked me, you know, is Max Scherzer coming back? And I really, I think right now. Especially after this deal, the realistic answer is no. Scherzer is gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know. Factor in he turned down the money. Factor in he's got Scott Boris as his agent. Uh, factor in David Price is now a Tiger. Uh, the, the Tigers got to, I think, at this point, figure that we have to now concentrate on keeping David Price because we're, we just can't keep Max Scherzer at this point. Yeah. So, and, uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So you, you answered that question on Yahoo Sports correctly. Yeah. I think it was just, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> uh, but the, let me ask you this. For this trade to be successful, well, obviously, World Series. So this just not because that's, that's uh, undeniable. Do the Tigers need to extend David Price? That is a good question. Um and I'm not even sure that that's necessarily part of the upper management thought yeah. process. I mean, I'm sure it's in the back of their minds. Um, mm-hmm. But Dombrowski made it rather clear that the reason they got Price now is because they're thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking about 2014 and wanting to lock down this World Series this year. Uh, and I understand we have David Price now under under team control through next year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, obviously if they made Max Scherzer an offer, you know, earlier this year, of course they're going to make David Price, I think, an offer next year to extend that contract. Yeah. I guess the question is, is uh, is Price willing to do that? You know, he if he sees the kind of money that Scherzer ends up with, uh, he may find himself having the same thought process. Well, if Scherzer's going to get a $20 million a year contract and change, well, well, and the question is, hell, he may be making that next year because he is arbitration eligible after this year. I think I've already read talk that he could, in arbitration, uh, and I have a feeling the Tigers will agree, come to an agreement before that point that he could make nineteen or twenty million dollars for one year uh, in the final year of arbitration. Well, you know, like I said, the, the emphasis right now is is let's win this World Series. Yeah, let's, let's get to the playoffs. Let's let's win a twenty fourteen World Championship. Uh, everything hinges on that uh, mm-hmm. the Soria deal, you know, the, the the price deal, and so I think that being the the hinge on which this door swings. The way that the 2014 postseason plays out is going to have a lot to do with what 2015 looks like. Because if yeah. they, you know, you know, like I said, if, if they do win it, um, you know, I don't know how that how that affects the management's thought process. Mm-hmm. If they don't win it in 2014, you, you got to figure that they're going to, you know, kind of kind of shore things up again in 2015 and say, okay, let's lock down price, let's do mm-hmm. whatever we have to do, right, to go after it again in 2015. Well, I, I guess well, let's kind of segue into the all-in question. Uh, just in that it really feels like both Dave Dombrowski uh, and, for that matter, Billy Bean have kind of pushed all their chips in and say, no, but this, we're going to, this, this, the time is right. We're going to try and win it all. I mean, and in the Tigers' case, you could argue that the window is shrinking for them to do it, at least with this core group. Uh, and what's interesting in the uh, post game press conference on uh, Thursday, uh, when Dombrowski addressed the trade, he said Soria and Price were their big targets. And, and his words were, we're going to go get them and we're going to go for it. And that is very short-term thinking. But then again, this is a team with, obviously, they're going to lose Max Scherzer. Uh, Torrey Hunter is likely not coming back. We don't know what's going to happen to Victor Martinez. Uh, there's the, Now there's a giant hole in center field. You know, There's a lot of question marks surrounding this team starting as of next year. Uh, 
is the goal is the future is now. Is that the correct way for this team to proceed? Because I have a feeling that's exactly how they feel. Wow, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> is that the right way to go? I mean, I think there are a lot of fans that are going to be, you know, that are extremely happy to see yeah. that level of commitment and say, wow, they are really serious about going out. It's kind of like when they signed Prince Fielder. Yeah. You know, in 2012, that was a huge indication that they are really serious about making sure they lock down this, this World Series trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Ben said earlier, you know, in, in reference to trading away Knable and Thompson in exchange for Soria, it really does come down to saying if they do, in fact, win the World Series this year, then all is well. Yeah. And everything that went down, all the question marks are erased and all is forgiven, you know, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. And if they don't, well, I guess we're back to the drawing board for 2015 because, like you said, there's uh, there's some huge question marks and gaps to deal with. Yeah. And I guess you could make the argument, Hooks like that possibly um, acquiring Price might help extend that championship window because they have him under contract for another year. So that, that's that extra piece that, you know, because this team is built around starting pitching. And so the Tigers are guaranteed into going into next year with uh, – a great starting rotation again. Yeah, you're going to see the emphasis shift, I yeah. think, next year, um, you know, towards getting uh, more position players and yeah. more offense power as opposed to getting more bullpen help or starting pitching. Um, and you almost wonder if that was kind of – that seed was planted already uh, during the, the MLB draft earlier this year when they went and signed Derek Hill as a center fielder. Yeah. You know, rather than kind of focusing on, on power pitching. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of wonder, have we already turned that corner? Yeah. You know, and that's a good point because uh, if you notice the, the majority of the trades, very few position players, at least impactful position players, change teams. I mean, come on, Stephen Drew went to the Yankees. <laughs> Yet uh, some very good, very big name pitchers, both starters and relievers, change teams. So I think it's really shown the focus that one, uh, teams really are were loathe the trade offense, and two, uh, they knew they could maximize the value of pitching. Well, you know, we always say that, you know, starting pitching wins you know, or goes a long way, at least, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And I, I think if there was ever a poster child example for, you know, kind of underscoring that point, it was the fact that uh, Billy Bean went ahead and got rid of Cespedes. Yeah, that's a, that's, that, well, that surprised the hell out of me when I yes, heard that. That was, that was a huge shock. But to give up, you know, a major offense piece like that in exchange for solid pitching, just kind of, like you said, it, it just underscores that point. You know, that uh, the emphasis is going to be on pitching right now. And, and uh, I think that almost kind of uh, put a, shed a new light, I guess, on why uh, Dombrowski, you know, felt like he had to go after mm-hmm. David Price. Because, yeah. you know, I, I remember saying a couple of weeks back when we watched, uh, my wife and I sat and watched the game where Price pitched against the Tigers. And she mm-hmm. really liked watching him and said, boy, I wish the Tigers could get him. And I, my reaction at the time was they don't need starting pitching. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I think that that landscape changed dramatically with uh, with what Billy Bean did and going out and getting Samarja and then uh, you know Lester and I think there was one more that uh, maybe I'm forgetting about but uh, you know he, he was it had, Hamill Hamill was yeah. one of them but you know he stacked that rotation with yeah. guys that are I don't know, he's got four pitchers in that starting rotation with ERAs you know in the in the under two ninety two right. or something like that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it, it almost you know makes sense that you say well. Dombrowski had to do something to counter that. Yeah. Well, the, well, well, it's interesting that uh, you bring that up, that the, the, the A's uh, dropped the gauntlet, Tigers countered. Uh, it kind of feels like the Cold War, you know, Cold War arms race. A's make a move, Tigers make a move. No, the A's make the trade for uh, for Smarza, Tigers get Soria. A's decide, okay, let's get John Lester. Tigers go get David Price. Uh, it kind of feels like the U.S. and Russia in the 60s here. Right. And, and really, there's two superpowers in the American League because after all these deals were done, um, no, as we got, uh, as actually with my live today, the post about the uh, American League odds to win the Pennant World Series, uh, even Vegas is now saying, screw everybody else. It's gone. It's come down to the A's and the Tigers. I just hope we're the guys that end up knocking down the uh, Berlin Wall. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where's John Kennedy when you need him? Yes. You know? Or maybe Dombrowski is Kennedy. I don't, I don't well, let's know. Let's hope this trade isn't that they have pigs. But, you know. <laughs> right. right. We're going to end up uh, you know, having some sort of trade embargo with Oakland after this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, the point was brought up on Twitter, and I, I kind of agree. And you say, boy, if the Tigers and the A's don't end up 
yeah. matching up for whatever reason in the postseason, that's going to be a huge letdown. Yeah. You almost just want to fast forward and say, let's just get these two teams on the field and, and get it over with and see who the real victor is after a you know a seven game. Series. I want to see them in the ALCS, not the yeah. not the division series. Yeah, exactly. And and it was uh, and obviously there is also that the story going around now that after uh, Dombrowski uh, obtained David Price, I mean, right before 4 o'clock, he texted Billy Bean, and uh, I guess the message was, you have one minute to acquire Chris Sale. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome that they have a sense of humor about this. Right, right. And I think I heard on Twitter that actually the reverse was true. Yeah. It was actually Bean that texted Dombrowski with that. But either way, yeah, they're they're obviously kind of, you know, they they have a, a competitive kind of fun, Spirit mm-hmm. thing going on, so you, you really hope to see Oakland and Detroit square off, you know, in the playoffs again. Yeah. But you know, with that, I guess we do need to uh, talk a little bit about the fallout from this because the Tigers now have some holes, and there's also a question about the playoff rotation. And that's, I guess, we can start with that because I know it was brought up on the um, uh, Fox Sports Detroit broadcast last night as to um, match, you know, the rotation. Uh, and do you think the arrival of Price makes Justin Verlander bound to the bullpen? Because right now, if you know, if you just look at the numbers and the overall season performance, Justin Verlander has been the Tigers' worst starter. Even though he's starting to look like Justin Verlander again, he pitched very, very well Friday night, eight innings, uh, two runs, I think 101 pitches, and you know, and he was hitting 96 on the fastball. But the Tigers have an embarrassment of riches in the rotation, but that also, you know, you got to figure out who, okay, who becomes Tim Limsicum? You know, who gets moved to the bullpen? Oh, yeah, these great yeah. starters they have. And, and obviously, Smiley was the lock for yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, before. And, and now that he's not, you know, Porcello has been the go-to guy in years past, you know, to, mm-hmm. to make that move to the bullpen. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a great question. Um, like you said, on paper, Justin Verlander is the quote-unquote fifth starter and yet, at the same time, like you said, he appears to be turning the corner himself. And we saw this last year, mm-hmm. where he struggled for a good chunk of the the early portion of last year, and then you know, come postseason, he was back to being just dominant Justin Verlander again. Right. And uh, yeah, I can see that uh, happening again this year as he's seemingly getting a little bit better, a little bit better. You know, by by October. You know, this could be a no-brainer that you say, no, it's, it's got to be Porcello back to the bullpen. But, man, Porcello is having a career year himself. Exactly. Yeah. So and, it's and, a, a great yeah, problem to have. Yeah, he, it, there's been stretches where Porcello has been the Tigers' best pitcher. Almost made the all-star team this yeah. year, and, and Justin Verlander didn't get the invite. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, well, you know, final five, but don't – oh, God, we we already went in all that crap anyway. But, uh, yeah, well, Porcello would have been he, a deserving came, all-star. Right. I'm just saying he came closer to making yeah. it than, than Verlander did. Oh, yeah, exactly. He says something. Yes. Um, you know, I posted on Twitter, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, we're going to the game tonight, I'm bringing my son with me. Mm-hmm. Last year at this time, it was, you know, June last year, he and I went to a game, and we found out that Porcello was pitching, and we were both kind of like, oh, really? Crap. Yeah. We wanted to see Verlander, we wanted to see Scherzer. This year, uh, you know, he said, who's pitching the game tonight, Dad? And I said, it's going to be Porcello, and he said, yes, the mm-hmm. ace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much changes in a year? Out of the mouth of babes. As yes. It. So it, it's going to be a really interesting question to answer come postseason time. Who gets the move to the bullpen? And uh, at this point, Verlander, Porcello, either one, you know, you kind of go, I'm happy with either choice. Yeah. And, hey, and if, you, if we're going by recent performance, the, the Tigers' worst pitcher has been Annabelle Sanchez. So, <laughs> I, I mean, this, this is a very fluid situation. Sanchez to the bullpen is the new uh, the new hashtag. Yeah, <laughs> but but again, having that kind of ta- one, whoever it ends up being, that talent can make a difference, as we saw when the Tigers lost the World Series to the Giants and what Tim Lincecum did against them. So now, I'm going to kind yeah. of divert just a little bit. I know it's not in the show notes. No, but, please but, do. Uh, just to kind of go on a, on a tangent with with the way the pitching is stacking up, both the mm-hmm. Tigers and we talked about for the A's, um, you know, runs are going to be absolutely at a premium. I think in the postseason, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any concerns with the way that the Tigers' offense has seemed a little bit streaky this year? Um, you know, if it's going to come down to one-run games, you know, do the Tigers have the offense to kind of best the A's with what they've got going? Now that they've lost Cespedes, you know, as part of that equation right. too. Oh God, uh, yeah, of course I'm worried about this team. One, you know, are the ti- how subtle are the Tigers going to be at leadoff? Are they going to, you know, right now it's going to be looks like a mixture of Ian Kinsler and Rajai Davis. 
and you know, as we all know, Rajai Davis cannot hit a right-hander to save his life. Uh, I'm really concerned, you know, because I'm still not completely sold on J.D. Martinez. Uh, we've seen Torrey Hunter. He is either on or off. There's no in-between with him. He said he said he had a he looked like he was washed up in June, then hit like an all-star in July. So, you know, and then Alex Avila, uh, speaking of guys who can't hit uh, a certain uh, <laughs> type of pitcher, he oh, can't yeah. hit left-handers to save his life right now. He shouldn't even be in the lineup when there's a left-hander on the mound. Uh, so, and let alone, we have uh, Miguel Cabrera, who is yes. not, in, not superhuman this year. And the left side of the infield is two rookies who have really, again, also been on and off when it comes offensively, very inconsistent. So, yeah, I think the offense is a big worry, but I really don't think there is any way to fix it at the trade deadline. As we saw, there was very few people available who could do anything. Right, and you got to factor Victor Martinez into that yes. equation, too. You, you know, red hot mm-hmm. uh, up until he kind of, you know, went on. He didn't go on the DL, but for all purposes, practical events of purposes, you mm-hmm. know, the 10 days off or whatever it was because of that rib strain, and he has not looked, you know, superhuman himself either yeah. since then. So you, you kind of look at it and go, okay, who's, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the way that Austin Jackson performed last year in the playoffs and went like, you know, two for 3,000 oh, was that bat, yeah. and now this year we're looking and going, oh, rats, you know, we mm-hmm. lost Jackson in the yeah. lineup. <laughs> like, again, how much things can change in a year? Yeah, to say the least. It's yeah, especially because Jackson had really turned around his season as the leadoff man. He had he was uh, he was lights out in July as well. I think what yes. it was, uh, he ended up having I think sixteen multi hit games on a leadoff spot in July. So and I you know, wrote that post mm-hmm. for Bless You Boys back in June, kind of showing his peripherals and saying, look, yeah. he's going to have a career year. He is going to rake, mm-hmm. and I still stand behind that. So in that sense, it's kind of disappointing to see, well, now he's not even going to be with the team. We're not going to get to watch that flower come to full bloom. Yeah, man. And, but, well, that gives us a chance to kind of segue into the Jackson situation because there's a few things there we can talk about. One, the hole in center field, and two, is this Curtis Granderson all over again? Because uh, think about it, uh, Hook. Uh, in Austin Jackson, it's, it's very similar to the Granderson situation. Do you think the Tigers are selling high on a center fielder uh, they feel has plateaued and is not going to be worth the money he's going to get in his next contract? Because uh, uh, Jackson's going to be a free agent after next year, and obviously his agent is Scott Boris as well. And good center fielders are at a premium in Major League Baseball. The, I, I kind of get the feeling that the Tigers kind of tired of Jackson's inconsistency, both offensively and defensively, and really think this is who he is. Maybe it's time to, uh, I guess the let's trade him if, if at all possible. You know, let's trade him too early instead of trading him too late, so we can maximize value. I think you can, in a sense, kind of get inside the mind of Dave, Dave Dombrowski on that mm-hmm. question. And, you know, I called him yesterday, and he told me, stop calling me. So <laughs> I didn't get an answer from him. But, uh, you know, if you look at, like I said earlier, um, the way that they treated the draft this year mm-hmm. and signing, a, you know, a potential um, high-end center fielder in Derek Hill, um, I think they were kind of already, like you said, thinking in that direction. Uh, you know, Jackson's coming up on a free agency year in 2016, right? Yeah. You know, so you kind of look at that and say, can we can we plug that hole um, effectively and still win the World Series um, and also solve the future problem? Because you know of not having to extend Jackson for big big money. Because you know, like you said on the on the show last night with uh, Yahoo Sports, mm-hmm. you know he's he's a Boris client. Yeah. So you know, you can kind of see a little bit of the logic and say, uh, you know, maybe Jackson was an expendable piece to some extent when you look at all those different factors yeah it's uh yeah and as always you do have to give up something to get something of value and the tigers definitely gave up some value in austin jackson well right uh, just yeah. looking at the backup options and saying, yeah. you know, ezekiel Carrera is having a great year in toledo can he come up and just you know be a stopgap uh, yeah because he has that 4a player uh, uh hanging over him right now you know he answers some some big questions mm-hmm. in the sense of uh you know, a guy who's hitting over 300 in Toledo, a guy who has stolen, what, 46 bases? Yeah. You know, so you get that speed component again. Um, defensively, I understand he's, he's you know, obviously a drop-off right. from Austin Jackson, but he's also that left-handed bat that everybody kept, mm-hmm. you know, clamoring for. Like, we need another lefty in the lineup. So, yeah. hey, roll the dice. 
Go yeah. for it. Well, how do you feel about a platoon of uh, Rajai Davis and Carrera uh, in center field? Obviously, it's a huge drop-off uh, in center, and Comerica Park is not the easiest outfield to cover. It's huge, and then you have two statues, essentially, in left and right. So, uh, no, and we, I think we saw a, few, a little bit of that in last night's game where a ball dropped between uh, Davis and Martinez that I think Austin Jackson catches. So there's, I have a feeling there's going to be, there's going to be some times the remainder of the season we're going to be awfully frustrated by balls that we're going to say Jackson would have caught that that are going to extend the innings. So that I, that, I mean, that's my yeah. biggest concern right now. Yeah, to, you know, to be completely unrealistic, you know, you say, well, David Price solves the problem as long as he never ever gives up a fly ball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you know, well, of course he's going to. That's yeah. going to happen, and like you said, there are going to be those times when you go, oh. Austin Jackson would have had that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at uh, the, the platoon, the possible platoon in center field, and it's probably the best, you know, I'm not sure lesser of two evils is the right phrase, but you get where I'm going with that. Yeah. So it's, it's the best of a worse situation if you have uh, Carrera and, and Davis, both of whom are apparently, you know, very fast. Mm-hmm. I know speed doesn't make up for, you know, the ability to use the glove, but you get two fast guys in center field uh, who are, by turns, uh, a guy who can hit lefties and a guy who can hit righties. Right. So maybe that does become, you know, a workable solution in the absence of, of Austin Jackson. And you hope that uh, the payoff, the, the upsides of getting David Price and somebody who can go deep into games and save the bullpen, you know, also kind of answers the bullpen question at the same right. time. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's stupid not to make that trade, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah, I guess to kind of wrap up the, the Price talk, uh, I've always been of the uh, – my always thoughts have always been, one, give me the proven major league player over a prospect any time, and two, whatever team gets the best player in the deal has the best odds of winning the trade. I think if you can look at it that way, I think it's no question the Tigers made out the best in this trade. Absolutely. They, they picked up the you know the top flight reliever and the mm-hmm. top flight starter. Yeah both of whom are proven MLB talents. Um, you know, I know Soria seems to be struggling a little bit those first couple games, but, you know, we're, we're not going to pin anything on small sample size like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Soria is going to be lights out, and I think David Price is obviously going to be just a, a top-level starter. Yeah. So what, what more do you want, you know? Uh, I want all-stars at every position and exactly. an all-star in each part of the rotation. Come on. That's right. <laughs> It just it gets back to that question of people saying, well, they traded for Price, but they didn't answer the bullpen yeah. question. And I think, no, they they did. They got Soria, which goes a long way towards answering that question. They got Price, who can go deeper into games and, mm-hmm. and save the bullpen. So they answered more of that question. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a this is a I'm satisfied, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, you could also say they addressed the rota- uh, the bullpen somewhat by sending down Ian Kroll. So Thank and God that's something that. people have been crying for for a while. He just looks completely overwhelmed at this point and couldn't get anybody out. Yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased to see that they went with uh, Blaine Hardy as the yeah as the option. I've been watching him, you know, all along, kind of quietly championing his cause and saying this guy is, is better than I think we realize. Well, he's uh, better than Kroll and, and Coke. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, yes, he he's stringing together some pretty impressive numbers. So I think they made the right move there. Yeah, indeed. And well, just and we obviously since uh, this podcast is all about talking about the bullpen every single week. I guess we should at least touch on Joaquin Soria in that, well, he's kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, and he's made three appearances with the Tigers so far and has not looked very good. Uh, I I think it was uh, Matt, uh, was it, uh, it was uh, the Fox Sports Detroit post game, and uh, one of the hosts said, um, since the Tigers acquired Soria, he's been bad. And he's got allowed nine hits, two home runs, the first two he's allowed this season, five earned runs, all in just one and two-thirds innings. I tend to believe this is probably just a blip on a very good pitcher's radar, but there's also a segment of the fan base who are saying, well, maybe he's maybe he's uh, this is Jared Washburn all over again. He's actually hurt, and we don't realize it. Or there's the 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 trope he's not battle tested and can't handle the pressure because he spent all those years pitching for bad teams. So I tend to fall on it's just a blip, but the fan you can hear the rumblings in the fan base they're concerned already. 
Well, and I guess that's normal. Yeah. I mean, with as much hype, you know, as came with the, with that trade and the prospects that we gave away and all of that, you, you want the guy to come out there and just be absolutely dominant. Yeah. You know, Koji Uehara level in mm-hmm. his first outings, and he wasn't. He was just the opposite of that. Um, I kind of made note of that uh, when the trade first went down and said, you realize his last outing with Texas, he blew a save. Yeah. You know? So he's clearly kind of going through whatever weird phase those relievers go through because they're up and down all the time. Right. Um, I'm not concerned in the least. You know, his his uh, track record so far this year is, is pretty overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So well, you just give give the guy some time to adjust. Maybe he's still jet lagged. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I find it tend to find the, uh, the people saying that he, he can't handle the pressure. I, I just figure a good pitcher is a good pitcher. And I, I really think that most players at that level, it, it will, if they were afraid of pitching in the pressure of a pennant race, well, they wouldn't be at that level to begin with. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and it's not like I don't know. He was closing for Texas, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. If you buy into that whole ninth inning closing right. mindset, then he's he's got the stuff to do yeah. it. Yeah, he's he's got the uh, ironclad mindset, so he'll he'll be fine. Maybe yeah. maybe that maybe that's the problem, Al. He's yeah, not, he's not pitching the ninth. He doesn't know what to do in low pressure situations anymore. <laughs> yeah, and and for that matter, speaking of the ninth inning, Joe Nathan is pitching a little bit more like the old school Joe Nathan. I think he's got. Five straight outings without allowing a run. He got the save last night, even though he did allow the lead run to come to the plate, but uh, but he didn't allow a hard hit ball. So there's that for, going for him. But uh, I guess this is one of those things, Slide, where the bullpen is just going to be something that Tigers fans are going to have to accept. This is what it is. The Tigers have put all their marbles, essentially, on Soria, Chamberlain, and Nathan. Now it's time to see... Uh, those deals pay off from your mouth to God's ears. Yes. The saying mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I said earlier in the year with the way that Nathan was just imploding game after yeah. game after game, he did it too many times, uh, for my taste yeah. to the point that I said, you know, he's going to need to be completely lights out for about two months before mm-hmm. I feel comfortable right. with him coming in. It's nice to see him get a couple good outings. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not quite at the place where I think good. He's back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, bullpens are just bizarre. That way they spike and they drop and they spike and they drop. And, you know, it, it's the, the bullpen that comes in, lights out in the World Series that everyone looks back in retrospect with rose-colored glasses and says, man, they had a great bullpen. You know? Yeah. So we'll, we'll give it some time. Yeah, exactly. You guys always keep in mind, people say how good O'Hara was last year. He wasn't the closer for the Red Sox to start the season. That's just how that, bullpens right. are. And people forget that O'Hara blew a save in the playoffs. Yep against the Rays. I mean, yeah. it's just one of those blips that nobody focuses on because, you know, you remember what he did yeah. in in the ALCS, you know, and what he did for the majority of the year that year as a closer and, and is still doing. Yeah. So track record, you know, outweighs the, the weird blips. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's uh, start wrapping up this podcast. So um, I know you're afraid we're going to go like 90 minutes, but here we are a little over an hour. I, you know, I hey, we, this, we did it. Yes, because we didn't go off on tangents. Plus, you know, <laughs> you know I think Ben set us straight, actually. So uh, anything you'd like to add before we uh, wrap up this podcast? You know, I wasn't even prepared for that question. So I <laughs> okay, I, Kurt. I, it's a, <laughs> I have to pee. <laughs> uh, no, I've got about an hour to pack and uh, yeah, exactly. to Detroit. So, That's uh, another reason why I wanted to uh, start wrapping things up, because you have a long drive from the yes. west side and uh, to Detroit for the meetup. And I only have about a 40-minute ride. So I have lucky to, you. Yeah, lucky me. And I, I get to be the passenger so uh, with the girlfriend. She's driving. So. There you go. Yeah. So, so well, yeah, I can't I'll drive anyway, so not like I had a choice in the matter. But <laughs> I, will be, uh, I will be back at the Whitecaps uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hopefully catch the, the third game for Andy Dirks. So I'll be kind of posting on Twitter, you know, with updates mm-hmm. as to what he's looking like. And, uh, again, watched him last night. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, That's a good sign. That's for for uh, the Tin Caps, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps pitcher was, was making a lot of the Whitecaps hitters look silly for the first mm-hmm. four or five innings. Dirks seemed to be the only one that was, you know, timing him and squaring right. him up. So you, that, that's good. Yeah. That, that's what you want to see. Yeah, I have a feeling uh, at this time next week on the podcast, we're going to be discussing uh, – who got sent down when Andy Dirks gets the call? So that, I yeah. think that'll be the big, that'll be the, the next topic with the Tigers. And I, there's a, probably a couple of players who'd be concerned, one being Don Kelly. But again, we'll we'll talk about that next week. So, uh, Hookside, where can the listeners find you online? 
Uh, mostly on Twitter, at HookslideBYB, and I do have a Gmail account set up now. Uh, if you want to yell at me, um, you know, or, or praise my awesomeness, it's HookslideBYB yes. at gmail.com. Indeed, and of course, uh, don't forget the Bless You Boys account you're often on as well. What's Bless You Boys? Uh, at Bless You Boys on the Twitters. So. Oh, that's right, that's right. I, yes. haven't, I haven't tweeted all week from that account. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So uh, Maybe but, we'll make an appearance from the game tonight. Yeah, and of course, uh, you can find me uh, at Big Al BYB, of course, also on the at Bless You Boys Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers, or just search for Bless You Boys. And uh, you can email us, bybpodcast at gmail.com or bybtigers at gmail.com. All right, and of course, please like us, follow us on all the social uh, media networks because we do appreciate it. And I think we just uh, crossed another milestone on Facebook. I think we're over 6,000 likes now. So Nice. And we're over, I think we're 14.4, 14.5 followers on Twitter. Kind of scary when you think about it. Yeah, most of those people are are paying attention to us. Most of those are, are fake accounts that I set up. Yeah, uh, eggs. To, yeah, they all have eggs for pictures. Sorry, right, just so. to bump the numbers up. Yeah. <laughs> have you been buying followers? Yeah. So, anyway, let's wrap this show up because, well, you got a long ride, and we'll, we'll actually get to meet in person for the first time in, in a few hours. So. All right. Yeah. Oh, guys, a scary, scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, because uh, it'll be interesting to say the least. And we'll talk a little bit about the meetup next week, of course. So. All right, until uh, this time next week, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck along with Hookslide. The price was right. <laughs> All right, I will be, uh, I'll do my best Drew Carey impression on the next Bless You Boys podcast.